Welcome back, Missio family. Today, you'll hear how Pastor Josh talks about how the kingdom of God is the kingdom of forgiveness. We receive it, we extend it to others. If you have any questions about Missio, you'd like to join a missional community, or you have any prayer requests, please contact us at missio.life. Amen. You can have a seat. So welcome. Glad that you are here with us today. My name is Josh, if we haven't met, and doing a little bit different setup. As you can tell, we have some tables, and we're going to do something special at the end of the service today. And so uh, don't start snacking on the, the bread. Just save it. It'll come later, all right? So welcome. We're glad that you're with us here. And we've been in this series called Kingdom Life, talking about the kingdom of God. Jesus talked about the kingdom of God. He also called it at times the kingdom of heaven. And we talked about how you use those terms interchangeably. But this kingdom that Jesus came and brought and talked about so much is important to us if we're followers of Jesus. And so today we're going to be talking about forgiveness. Now I want to give you, I want to replay the tape of my life a little bit and give you a window into my world, okay? So I'm going to role play a little bit, a conversation between my mom and I. Josh, you need to come over here and give your brother a hug and tell him you're sorry. Yeah, but he hit me. I know he did, but you called him a fart face. Uh, Do I have to, Mom? Come over here and give your brother a hug and tell him you're sorry. Anybody heard something like that in your life? Come on, you know you have growing up. If you had siblings, I had two brothers, and so we were always getting in trouble, always hitting each other, always calling each other names. And we had to learn how to forgive. That was part of my growing up and probably was for you. The reality is, though, we live in a world where not everybody learned how to forgive. And those are lessons that typically we learn as kids, and we learn how to make up, we learn these relational tools. But the world we live in, not everybody forgives, do they? We have people in our lives who harbor grudges and anger and all this kind of unresolved stuff. But the good news is, of the kingdom, is that Jesus wants us to live with relational peace. He wants us to be at peace. He doesn't want us to be all wound up inside with anger and bitterness and grudges. He wants us to live free. And so this is the kingdom that Jesus talked about. And I want to recap just a little bit of kingdom stuff that we've discussed. Jesus came and he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. And people said, what are you talking about, Jesus? I don't see it. I don't see your throne. I don't see your crown. I don't see your chariots and your army and your lands. Jesus said, no, no, it's not that kind of kingdom. It's an invisible kingdom. And they're like, oh, really? Tell us more. An invisible kingdom. Anyone can have an invisible kingdom. But Jesus said, no, it's a spiritual kingdom and it dwells in the hearts of people. And so it's unlike anything you've ever known. And it's here. It's in your midst. Then he also said, it's coming in the future. And so we, we discussed how the kingdom of God is in this tension of already, it's here amongst us, And it's also not yet. There's a future component that will be visible, and we will live with Jesus forever, which is amazing. And so we live in that tension of already and not yet. And then last week, we talked about worry. Jesus said, hey, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, but instead, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. So he said, this is, this is how you live life without worry, is you trust God, that he's going to provide for your needs, and you keep your eyes on the kingdom. You keep your focus on him. 
And so this is the life that Jesus designed for us, that he intended for us to live. But so often we get tripped up with unforgiveness in our lives and we end up living a life that isn't what God intended. And we're bound in chains and we're imprisoned by things that happened maybe many, many years ago. And we're not living free with the relational peace that Jesus desires for us. And so we, we talk about the kingdom again in, in kind of the, the now, but also in the future. And maybe you know some Christians in your life who think about heaven, they think about the future, but that's all they really see the kingdom as. It's basically the future component only. And I, I know some Christians who live a very miserable experience here on this earth, and it's like, kind of like they're waiting out a prison sentence, like, hey, I just got to wait for heaven, and then everything's going to be great. And I think that there's some truth to that. It is going to be great after this life, but Jesus wants us to experience life, good life now in the kingdom. This isn't prosperity gospel. This isn't health, wealth, and you know, success, but Jesus wants us to live a dynamic life of faith right now, again, with relational peace with him, first and foremost, vertically, but also horizontally with other people in our lives. And that sounds to me like good news. That sounds to me like the kind of life that I want to live here on this earth, where there is pain, there is brokenness, but it's free. That's good news. All right, so we're going to look at a passage of scripture today. We're going to be in Matthew 18. If you have a Bible or a Bible app and you want to get there, I'll be in the ESV. But Jesus, he often used parables, stories to teach to get principles across to his audience. And so today we're going to be looking at a parable called the unforgiving servant. And Jesus is talking to Peter. And so let's read this together, starting in verse 21. So Matthew 18, verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So this fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him into prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you have, should you have, not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So Peter, having a conversation with Jesus, he comes to him and he asks him, he says, "Uh, Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? 
And you know Peter had somebody in mind. This wasn't a random question. This isn't one of those, hey, I'm asking for a friend, you know. Peter's asking for himself. There's somebody in mind. We don't know who it is. Maybe one of the disciples. Maybe they had another argument about who's the greatest or something like that. And so Peter comes to Jesus and he says, so how far do I really need to go with this whole forgiveness idea, Jesus? And he throws out a number, like seven. And Jesus sees right through it. Obviously, Peter's trying to just figure out how far do I really have to go? And Jesus says, no, 77. Whoa, that's a lot of of times to forgive somebody. And so whether, um, depending on which translation you read, it says, this one says 77 times. Some of the other translations that I've read in the past say 70 times 7. So whether it's 70 plus 7, 77, or 70 times 7, which is like, what, 490, it's a lot of times. So the point isn't the actual number. Jesus hey, once you hit 77, you're good. 78, you're off the hook. He wasn't saying that. The point is, in kingdom life, there is no cap on how many times we forgive others. There's no limit. Jesus is saying, Peter, you're only wanting to go this far. You need to go a little further. Like, keep forgiving. So Jesus often said things like this in his teaching. They were upside-down ways of thinking. They didn't make sense to people. I'm supposed to keep forgiving and forgiving and forgiving, but, but they hurt me. They don't deserve my forgiveness. Jesus says, this is the way in the kingdom. It's different than what you experience in the world. And I think most of the time, we think like Peter. That person doesn't deserve my forgiveness. I don't want to give it to them. They don't deserve it. And so we start to count, okay, they've done this, and they've done that, and they've hurt me this way. And and Jesus says, no, 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 that's not the way of life in the kingdom. And I think sometimes we begin to measure our forgiveness because we, we confuse forgiveness with trust. And those are two different things. We can forgive somebody and yet not trust them because if they continually hurt us or wrong us over and over and over, they don't really have trust with us. But we can forgive. And those two things are different. Sometimes we just lump them together and we say, well, if I forgive you, then I have to trust you completely. Well, that's not the case. We're not bound to trust an enemy, but we all are called to forgive them. Thomas Watson was an English Puritan preacher, and this is what he says. You can actually look someone in the face and say, I forgive you, but I don't trust you. That is what the woman whose husband abused her children had to say. Oh, how crucial is the heart here. What would make that an unforgiving thing is to say, if you were thinking like this, what's more, I don't care about ever trusting you again. I won't accept any of your efforts to try and establish trust again. In fact, I hope nobody ever trusts you again. And I don't care if your life is totally ruined. That is not an unforgiving spirit, and our souls would be in danger. And so you can see how trust and forgiveness are not one and the same. And we don't want to have that malicious attitude towards someone, of trying to get even, of having revenge. But we are called to forgive. And forgiving somebody who is repentant, if they come to us and ask with an apology, hey, I'm sorry, that looks one way. But then what about somebody who doesn't? ask for forgiveness. Because there are people in this world, believe it or not, who don't think they've done anything wrong. And they hurt you, and they wrong you, and they think they're totally justified in their behavior. So what do we do with that? 
Well, it doesn't necessarily speak to it in this passage, but Jesus teaches we're to love our enemies. We're to bless those who curse us. We're to pray for them. And we're not to repay evil with evil, but evil with good. And so there's an element of forgiveness that falls on us even though somebody doesn't repent. They don't own their stuff. And the reason why is because if we hold on to unforgiveness in our hearts, it does damage. It is a wound. It'll fester and it'll eat us up from the inside. See, unforgiveness can hurt others, but it hurts us the most. Unforgiveness is too expensive. Man, it's costly to have unforgiveness in our hearts. So I want to do something today. Um, Just go with me on this for a minute. Would you just close your eyes? And I want you to imagine in your mind's eye, somebody in your life who has hurt you, somebody who might need forgiveness from you. And I know this is hard, but just picture their face. Imagine them. Maybe they've owned their mistakes. Maybe they haven't. And I want you to imagine sitting at a table across from them, and Jesus is sitting there with you. And then you lean over to Jesus and ask him, do I need to forgive so-and-so? Do I need to forgive this person? And I want you to think about what Jesus would say to you in that moment. What do you think he's telling you as you look at that person that needs forgiveness? All right, you guys can open your eyes. Just hold on to that. We're going to revisit it later in the service. Don't want you guys falling asleep, so no napping. Um, But it's hard to think about forgiveness and to picture actually someone's face or somebody's name because oftentimes it's painful. But forgiveness can be freely received and it can be freely given. And so Jesus was a master storyteller. I love the way that he would tell stories and he would have a crowd of people around. And in this case, he's talking to Peter, but you know there's people listening in saying, oh, I wonder what he's going to do. What's he going to say to Peter? Peter's going to get it. Right? And so Jesus is telling a story, and he tells a story of a king. The king who has a servant who's in a lot of trouble. This servant has some big time debt. All right? And so the debt comes due, and the servant is going to have to pay. And so if we read into this a little bit, we can probably figure out that the king represents God, the servant represents people like you and me, people who have a debt. And so what happens in our story is the servant realized, I cannot pay this debt off. They're coming, they're starting to take my kids away, they're taking my wife, they're going to put us in slavery, they're going to throw me in prison, I got no hope. And so he does the only thing that he can do, he falls on his knees and he begs for mercy. He begs to the king, please give me more time, just give me more time, I'll pay for it, I'll take care of it. And the king is moved by his plea. He has mercy. He says, not only am I going to give you more time, I'm going to completely wipe out your debt. You don't owe it anymore. And if you put yourself in that situation, you think you'd have a lot of gratitude for what the king just did for you. And by the way, I don't know how this guy got so much debt. I don't know what he was doing. You know, it doesn't tell us anything about that. Maybe he was down at the the racetrack betting on camel races or something. I don't know. He racked up a whole bunch of debt. But it was forgiven. And now he's free. Now he's free and clear. And what's interesting about our story, he goes out and starts rounding up his friends. And he says, hey, you owe me money. You owe me money. And he finds another fellow servant. And he says, pay me what you owe me. 
This is shocking, really, when you think about it. He just received a huge gift of mercy from the king. Now he's going out and demanding that his friend pay him back some small amount. And so I did a little checking on, on just the amounts here because I think this is pretty interesting. Um, the Bible says that it owed, he owed 100 denarii. And I was curious what the spread was between 100 denarii and 10,000 talents. Because these are, you know, we don't deal in those. I don't know if you're buying stuff in talents. I don't do that. Um, but basically, it would be like, say, say the guy owed $100. 10,000 talents would be like $60 million. So that's the spread here. Now, it's not an exact exchange rate, but it's a lot of money. So it's like saying, hey, you owe me 100 bucks. Yeah, but you were just forgiven $60 million. Bro, like, just let it slide. But he wouldn't. And it shows where his heart is at. And it shows that he doesn't understand forgiveness and he doesn't understand mercy. And so the point of Jesus' story here is that life in the kingdom, if we're living life in the kingdom, being forgiven by God, that we should reflect the heart of God to others. I've been forgiven a huge debt for my sins. And so someone sins against me, I forgive you. I overlook that. I extend the same kind of mercy to somebody else, even if they don't deserve it. And so God's desire is for His people to freely give just as they have freely received. So in the old days, they thought of justice in terms of scales. And I have a photo here that we can put up on the screen of statue. Do we have that? Anybody know what this is? This is Lady Justice. And this statue was, um, came from a, a Greek goddess and it basically it represents, the scales represent what's fair. And so sometimes you'll see this around courtrooms and different things like that, that the blindfold is impartiality, so basically being fair without being partial, and the sword, not really sure, just coming at you with the sword, I guess, punishment, whack. So anyway, Lady Justice has these scales, and oftentimes people would think in terms of what's fair, we have to even the score, we have to even the scales. And even though we probably don't picture this, we think in terms of getting even with other people. When somebody wrongs us, we say, I need to get revenge. I need to get even. They did this to me, I need to do that to them. It's that kind of eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, right? Tit for tat, like we're going to come at them because they came at me. And that's the way that we often think in this life. There's a score to settle. But in the kingdom of God, Jesus said it's not like that. The, the scales were tipped big time. You have been the offender Jesus came, he took care of your debt, you're good, you're free, so you don't need to settle any scores, and being, uh, living as a disciple in the kingdom of God is basically saying, I'm not going to retaliate, you hurt me, I'm not going to hurt you back, you did this to me, I'm not going to do that back to you, it's choosing not to retaliate, that's what life in the kingdom looks like, that's what showing mercy to others looks like, but some people want to get revenge, don't they? We snub people, we make comments, we withdraw, and we say things like, well, they had it coming, they should have known better, that's what happens when you do that. Probably heard some of those comments, it's the way we sometimes treat people. And we want to be in the place of judge, jury, and executioner, rather than saying, God, you've got this, you see what they do, you're going to handle the outcome, I'm going to trust you as my judge, as my king of the kingdom, 
and I'm going to release this, God. I'm going to give it back to you because you're in control and you will make everything right. And if it's not right now, it'll be someday. So different, isn't it, than trying to get even with people and saying, well, this is up to me to reconcile and to you know, make sure that they pay for what they've done. I'm glad that we don't get what we deserve. You ever thought about that? Do you know what we deserve? As sinful people, we're broken. We deserve punishment. We deserve hell. But we don't get that through Jesus. He says, I'm going to take care of your sins, and I'm going to even the score. I'm going to forgive the debt, just like the king did for the servant. I'm going to wipe it out. $60 million worth of sin. He's going to wipe it out. I'm glad we don't get what we deserve. Amen? So let's talk about forgiveness. What's the big deal with forgiveness? Forgiveness is a big deal. And Jesus makes it clear that the heart of forgiveness is central to the gospel. There is no gospel without forgiveness. There's no good news for us without forgiveness. That's where it all starts. We're sinful people. We're broken in need of a relationship with a holy God. And he says, I sent Jesus for you so that you could receive and experience forgiveness. See, it's impossible to have salvation through Jesus without understanding and experiencing forgiveness. It's impossible. That's the only way, is through Jesus and the forgiveness that he offers. The gospel tells us we're sinners in need of help. We need him. And so that's the very core of the gospel, is that we receive forgiveness from God, but then we get to extend it to other people. And so forgiveness is a big deal. Now, Jesus... Sometimes he says some things and he just kind of drops the mic and walks away and you're just like, whoa, Jesus, what does that mean? So I want to look at verse 35. This one caught my eye and maybe it's got your attention a little bit too because you can read this on face value and kind of get one thing, but I want to unpack it a little bit. So I want to set it up in verse 32. and It says, then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay his debt. So also my father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And so you can look at that last verse, 35, and you can say, wow, if I don't forgive somebody, I'm going to hell. And we can look at it that way and think that our salvation is all wrapped up and whether or not we forgive somebody. And I think on face value, many of us read it that way and we say, wow. But that doesn't really square with a lot of other teaching of the Bible and of Jesus and of the Apostle Paul about salvation not being through works. So what does this mean? Why did Jesus say this? And again, he oftentimes just said stuff and let it hang and walked away and uh, it confused his people. So I want to give us maybe a better understanding of this text, because if we could lose our salvation based on whether or not we forgive somebody, where does that take us? Where does that lead? Well, I've forgiven him, but not her. I'm, you know, not really sure. Or uh, maybe I forgive someone for a while, but then I kind of go back on that. Or you see how it just gets very, very muddy. And all of a sudden we have no assurance of where we're at. And if we have salvation with Jesus, it's based on our own forgiveness, our own righteousness, then it becomes very problematic. Titus 3.5 says he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, in this case, forgiving us somebody else, but according to his own mercy, 
by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. And so it's not so much that we need to forgive somebody in order to be saved ourselves, like a precondition to salvation, but think of it more as an evidence of a changed heart. If I understand and have received the forgiveness of Jesus, I want to show mercy to other people. Does that mean that it's always easy? No. Does that mean that we still struggle to show forgiveness to other people? Absolutely. We're in good company. Peter's right here. Peter's saying, Jesus, seven seven times? We might be saying the same thing. Hey, Jesus, do I have to forgive her? Do I have to forgive him? Did you see what they did? It's hard. But again, it doesn't mean that we're, we're undulating between having salvation or losing it based on if we forgive somebody. But it's really an evidence of our heart, where we're at. Do we know Jesus by faith? If we've experienced his forgiveness, then our natural response is to let that flow out to other people, even though it's not easy. It's a heart posture. And it's a big deal because Jesus came to forgive us. And so it's costly to live with unforgiveness in our lives. I don't know if you realize that, but if you're holding on to something today and you're saying, I just can't let go of this, it's costing you something. Unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart can cost you physically. It can lead to health problems. Just your body isn't meant to carry all that anger and stress all the time. It can lead to health problems. It can cost you emotionally because if you are dwelling on that and you're so enwrapped in that, every time you think about it or that person talks to you or you see them, they're controlling your emotions. They're in charge. You're being manipulated by that person. So it costs us emotionally and it costs us socially. We might withdraw from people. We might not go to certain places or hang out with family because that person's going to be there and it costs us something socially. See, true friendship can't happen, and true family can't happen without forgiveness. It just can't. You wind up with something superficial or something less than what God intended. Forgiveness has to be there to have true, authentic relationships. We've talked about how it can cost us spiritually. We begin to just eat our soul from the inside out. And so whether it's 77 times, like Jesus said in this translation, or 490 times, 70 times 7, the point is that we don't count. It's not up to us to count how many times am I forgiven you. The point is that there's no cap. There's no max in the kingdom of God. And it's easy for us to think about somebody else and say, well, yeah, that's cool. Have you ever thought about yourself? I'm glad that there's no max on how many sins that Jesus is willing to forgive for me. Like, oh, you, you have 57 sins, and now this is your 58th, so <laughs> bummer, huge bummer. That's not how God operates. He says, the Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. So there's no cap, there's no max on forgiveness. doesn't mean we should run around sinning and just going crazy, but he forgives us over and over and over, and he calls us to do the same to be people of mercy, to be people of grace, people of forgiveness. Gandhi said, an eye for an eye world will soon go blind. Jesus said, you have heard it said that an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, repay no one evil for evil. Instead, repay evil with good. That's the invitation for us is to live life in the kingdom 
repaying evil with good. Not going eye for eye, tooth for tooth, but saying, hey, Jesus has forgiven me, I can forgive you. That's the life in the kingdom. That brings relational peace. And it's not easy, but it's what God designed for us. And that's good news. This morning we're going to close with something a little different. As you've noticed, we're sitting at tables. There's some uh, bread and juice on your table. And those are for communion. We're we're remembering Jesus' sacrifice, again, which is central to the very idea of forgiveness. And the bread represents his body broken for us. And the juice represents his blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus gathered with his disciples around tables, much like this, and said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. This is my blood shed for your sins. As often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. And as we share these elements, we proclaim Jesus' life, death, and resurrection until he returns. And so we're going to put some questions up on the screen. What I want you to do before we take communion around our tables, there's three questions that I want you to ponder. And you've got some paper and pens on your tables. Hopefully everybody's got enough. Can we put those questions up on the screen, please? So I want you to think about earlier when you had that person in your mind that you needed to forgive. Maybe apply this here. But I want you to take just a few minutes and write down some things on that paper Just what's God doing in your heart? How do I need to forgive? What's he calling me to do? What's he asking me to do? And then if you feel comfortable sharing that with one or a few people around your table, you can sure do that. And then following that time, we will take communion on our own. Just rip off some bread, pour some juice out, and just do that amongst your tables. We're not going to direct you through that. But I'm going to pray. The band is going to come up here and just play some music. So just take some time around your tables And I just want this to sink in and just create some space for the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the good news of the gospel, for an invitation to live this kingdom life that is dynamic, that is exciting, that is free. And Lord, we want peace. We want peace with you, peace with each other. And we know that forgiveness can get in, unforgiveness can get in the way of that. And that when we choose to forgive our brothers and our sisters, and those in our lives that have hurt us, that God, our heart is then open to receive your peace. And so Lord, as we just spend these next moments together, would you speak to us? Would you stir our hearts? Would you help us to reflect on the things that maybe are not helping us move forward? Maybe the things that are holding us back in our relationship with you relationship with others. So Holy Spirit, we just give you these moments together. Speak to our hearts. We know you're here. And we thank you for the good news of the gospel that sets us free. We don't have to do anything to earn your love, your mercy. It's a free gift that we want to extend to others as well. Thank you for these elements and that they remind us of your broken body and your bloodshed. Thank you, Jesus, for all you've done for us. In your name, amen. Josh left us with a few takeaways from today's service. 70 times plus 7 equals a lot. In kingdom life, there is no cap on how many times we forgive others. We are not bound to trust an enemy, but we are called to forgive them. 
Forgiveness of an unrepentant person doesn't look the same as forgiveness of a repentant person. Unforgiveness can hurt others, but it hurts us the most. Freely received, freely given. Forgiveness can be freely received and freely given. God's desire is for His people to freely give just as they have freely received. What's the big deal with forgiveness? It is impossible to have salvation through Jesus without understanding and experiencing forgiveness. Those who absolutely refuse to forgive may be showing that they are not willing to receive God's forgiveness for their much larger debt of sin. This does not apply to those who want to forgive yet are grappling with it. This service was on a communion Sunday and Josh left us with a few discussion questions. Why do you think Jesus made such a strong statement that we need to forgive others? Have you fully received Jesus' forgiveness in your life? Who might God be asking you to extend forgiveness to today? Thank you for listening, Missio family, and we'll see you again next week.